Once again this week, we encounter John the Baptist in the gospel. Last week, of course, we have John the Baptist out in the desert uh, proclaiming uh, that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is coming. Prepare the way of the Lord. Repent and believe in the gospel. But today we encounter John the Baptist in a different light. Here is John the Baptist now imprisoned. Why is he imprisoned, by the way? Because as a prophet, one of the things you're called to do is to speak the truth, even when it goes against maybe popular belief or goes against what society wants to hear or goes against what the leaders want to hear. And so John the Baptist is saying, and even telling Herod, telling that what Herod is doing, living with his, his own brother's wife, is a sin. And because of this, Herod has him imprisoned. And so today we encounter John the Baptist, John the Baptist in prison. And he sends his disciples to Jesus to ask him a question. And when we first hear this question, it's a little striking, saying, well, is John the Baptist doubting? Is he doubting that Jesus Christ truly is the Messiah? Because he asks this question, are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? A different interpretation is, are you he who is to come? Are you the Messiah who is to come? And I don't believe that John the Baptist is actually doubting that Jesus is the Messiah. I mean, we, we, he knew about Jesus even when he was in his, his mother's womb. He leapt with, with joy. He leapt with, with rejoicing. And yet he sends his disciples to, to ask this question because now Jesus has to answer this question in public. And what does he reveal in this answer? Well, he answers in a way that actually goes back. We should not be surprised goes back to a prophecy. He goes back to Isaiah chapter 35, and that just so happens to be, well, the first reading of today. It's like they knew what they were doing. They put the lectionary together, right? And so what does Isaiah chapter 35 reveal? Well, let's go back to that. Once again, Isaiah is a prophet. And Isaiah in his prophecy prophesies about the coming of the kingdom of God, but he's never able to, to see it. Isaiah himself is just like John the Baptist. He is a suffering prophet, having to endure many hardships, having to endure imprisonment, having to endure people being mad at him and trying to even to, to, to kill him. But in Isaiah 35, he talks about the coming of the kingdom of God. And it's such a beautiful way of how he describes this beginning. The desert and the parched land will exalt. The steppe will rejoice and bloom. They will bloom with abundant flowers and rejoice with joyful song. He continues on. Be strong, fear not. Here is your God. He comes with vindication, with divine recompense. He comes to save you. And then he describes what's going to happen. And this is exactly pretty much what Jesus said in his answer to John the Baptist's disciples. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened. The ears of the deaf will be cleared. 
Then will the lame leap like a stag. Then the tongue of the mute will sing. What does Jesus answer, by the way? Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind regain their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. Adds a couple other things. The dead are raised. And the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. Any first century Jew, when they would have heard these words of Jesus, would have understood that he is saying that he is the Messiah. He is the one who is to come. And at hearing this, by the way, as John the Baptist wanted them to, to hear, there would be great rejoicing. Why? Because not only is the Lord near, the Lord is here. And what does that look like? We go back to the prophet Isaiah. Those whom the Lord has ransomed return and enter Zion, what? Singing, crowned with everlasting joy. They will meet with joy and gladness, sorrow and mourning will flee. And even for ourselves, when we hear these words, should bring us great rejoicing. Rejoicing because we know not only is it the prophecy coming fulfilled in Jesus, that this is what he's saying, but we know that it happened as well. We know that Jesus came into this world. Why? To set us free. To be our Savior. To set us free from this original sin. And we know as well, as he reveals all throughout the, the New Testament, and also we hear in, in, in the letters of St. Paul and Peter and James, that he is going to come again. We hear about this as well, even in our responsorial psalm today. The responsorial psalm is based off of Psalm uh, 146, but the actual response is Isaiah 35, where it says what? Lord, come and save us. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord raises up those who are bound down. The Lord loves the just. The Lord protects strangers. The Lord shall reign forever. Your God, O Zion, through all generations. That when God comes and he comes again, this reign will have no end. And that is why we're able to rejoice. Because yes, the Lord is near, but he's also coming again. That's why today as we celebrate this, this third Sunday of Advent, we see that now in the, the Advent wreath and the candles, we're over halfway there. And there's reason for rejoicing. Even our entrance antiphon today comes from this famous passage from Philippians chapter 4, Verses 4 and 5. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Indeed, the Lord is near. Not only is he near, the Lord is present in the Eucharist. We're able to, to receive him. This should bring us great joy. We also know in this season of Advent that it's a season of preparation for what? For the coming of the Lord 
again. And so we have rejoicing in this season of Advent. We're also called to have patience in this season of, of Advent. We hear about this from our first reading, and our second reading, I mean, from, from St. James. Be patient, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. What does it mean to be patient? Let's actually go back to the, the Greek word here. Now, as I said before, I'm not a Greek scholar, so I'll probably butcher this word. But it's important to see what it says, right? Patience, macrothema. Macrothema we actually hear about throughout the New Testament, especially in St. Paul. We can think of his most famous passage. Many of you probably on your wedding day had it as your second reading. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where it describes what? Love. And the beginning is what? Love is, boy, five o'clock did a lot better than that. All right, let's try that again. Love is patient. patient. Why do you think he puts that first? Because you're called to be patient with each other. It's a good thing to be, right? But patient as well, just in a state of your life. Patience is a state of remaining tranquil while awaiting an outcome. So it's a state of peace, to be at peace, even as we're awaiting an outcome. So not being anxious, not being worried. And we hear about this over and over again. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. And that's probably something we're not very good at, is being patient and being in a state of peace. But this is what James is is encouraging us to do. Be patient until the coming of the Lord. Even that word coming, we probably know the Greek word for this, we've heard it more often, parousia equals coming. The Latin word for coming is actually adventus. Ooh, now we can put this together, can't we? What season are we in? The season of Advent, the season of the coming of the Lord, but to be patient until his coming, to remain in this state of peace. And even James gives us a couple examples here about the farmer, the farmer who is patient after they, they, they plant their crops. Can you imagine what their whole rest of their summer was just kind of like, hope it comes up, hope it comes up, da, da, da. They drive themselves nuts. But farmers must be patient, putting their trust, awaiting the outcome. Uses another example. Look at the prophets and at their great patience, the hardship and patience of the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. They never actually came to see their prophecies become fulfilled. Even John the Baptist wasn't able to see the great coming of, of Jesus, yes, he knew he was here, but he didn't see his, his death and resurrection. But he always pointed towards it. And so to be patient like the prophets as well. And so when we can rejoice and be patient, what are we going to be? Well, we're going to be able to attain, and be able to experience, in a certain sense, the coming of the kingdom of God. And because of that, we'll be one in the kingdom of God. Which means, as we hear in the gospel again, 
will be greater than all of those born before John the Baptist, even John the Baptist himself here on earth. Why? Because what God wants to give us is a union with him, a union in this kingdom where there is no end. How beautiful that this is what God wants to give to us. And so we remain patient, we remain peaceful until the coming of him again, and we rejoice because we know that we have in him a Savior who will take care of us as long as we just put our trust in him and let him abide in us.